Hello, welcome to Persuade You, the podcast where I, Stephen, recommend to you, the listener, stuff and things I think are worth your time in checking out. Uh, this is take two of this episode. The first one uh, was really quiet and you couldn't really hear a lot of the things that I was saying. And so I'm redoing this one, but also uh, since the last recording, I finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And so I'm going to talk about that at the beginning of this episode. And so if you want this week's superhero recommendation, that will be in the chapters so you can go ahead and skip and then i'm also going to do a uh, a quick quick talk on someone i'm not going to recommend as superhero wise and why that is so let's go ahead and jump right into this all right so quick updates first If you haven't listened to the last episode, I strongly, strongly recommend at least the new intro. Uh, I went back and I re-recorded the beginning and I tacked it onto the front. It's very obvious that it's a different edit. Uh, So if you go back, it should be roughly like 23 minutes, something around there. And Mia's artwork was uh, came out. So I was able to add that commission piece to the artwork for the show, for the, the chapter work. So that way you guys can see exactly what I was talking about. I'll have a couple links to the post I made on Reddit so you guys can go take a look at that and uh you know see all the positive feedback there um mia as i said it was wonderful deserves so much love and attention and so big shout out to her and all the work that she put in now one big thing that i i wanted to hit on this week was a dissuade you and so when when I was first getting this idea together, I knew, you know, I knew I wanted to do superheroes of color. I knew that I eventually wanted to talk about Black Panther. I knew that I wanted to end it with him because it started with him. It started with his death and and uh, a lot of friends feeling lost and not knowing who to turn to. With that, I went to a few different social media sites and I, I basically polled people and asked who were some of their favorites and who did they feel not many people either know about or care as deeply as they should or deserve their own live action or animated series. So I went and asked people. One name that cropped up a few times was Jubilee. And she, for those of you that don't know, is part of the X-Men. She was in the animated series in the cartoon in the 90s. You can see hints of her in the movies. But overall, she definitely cropped up many times. And so I thought, all right, well, maybe it's worth a a shot looking into. And then I realized that she was so boring. And I know, for those of you that are fans of Jubilee, like you might be shocked but i like just from reading her again from my own perspective a uh, a superhero an asian superhero i thought that her last name is lee she is a gymnast an olympic gymnast at that and uh her superpower is fireworks if that isn't like the most stereotypically written Asian American, I I can't, I, I, I got nothing for you. And so just from that alone, like I was, was just bored and I thought, okay, well maybe, maybe like many of the heroes in the past, they rewrote her and she got better. Not really. The only time that I was actually interested in who she was, was when she lost all her powers and became a vampire. I am deadly serious. In one of the comic runs, she becomes a vampire and gets all the superpowers of them, super speed and strength and, you know, like mainstream superpowers. That was the only time I was interested in her at all. And it wasn't because of who she is. It's because of what her powers gave her and what she was able to do. That was it. If you guys are interested in that, like that would be something cool you could look into. But like for me, when it comes to recommendations, when it comes to this show, when it comes to me being honest, I can't honestly recommend Jubilee because I'm so bored by who she is as a character and what the writers did for her backstory. I wasn't interested at all. 
And so that is uh, the dissuade part of the podcast. I, I won't be recommending Jubilee probably any time ever. I think if it was something kind of like My Hero Academia where her fireworks were uh, like a quirk and so she could build on that and make it stronger and more powerful and like, yeah, in some runs she can, like, I guess in some runs, like, she can, uh, like, control the sparks and put them in people's heads and then make them explode and cause them to have, like, strokes and seizures and stuff. Like, like maybe, but, like, it's not a fun superpower to learn about. It's not an interesting superpower. The only thing that I think of when I think of that is like, oh, cool. Um, I would like to see this, but way stronger and way more cool. Like making explosions with your hands. Oh, wait, we already have that in multiple different heroes. Hers is just like a watered down version. And so I was not a fan. And uh, I know this is kind of negative. I know it's not like what I, I normally do here. But uh, again, like I want to be honest and upfront and I want to basically tell you exactly why I'm not going to do a certain hero. So that's that. Uh, for all the Jubilee fans out there, I'm sorry. I just couldn't get into it. And so teach their own, you know? Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on was this entire season has been about diversity and uh, superheroes of color. And it was completely my fault. I didn't think of like the diversity of sexes. I didn't think of uh, how many men I have, I have talked about and how many women I have not talked about. And so that's on me. Uh, I'm, I didn't realize that until uh, like last week when uh, I was looking at doing new superheroes and like who I was going to do. And I ended up going over my analytics again. And I went back and I checked everything. And like one of the top episodes is Wonder Woman. It has the most listens. And uh, then I realized that the majority of my listeners are female, which I had also no idea. I hadn't really looked at that before. And so for all my... Uh, female super uh, listeners. I'm sorry. I, I, I had no idea. I'd never really looked into those analytics because I'm just doing this for fun. And uh, I wanted to do this season just kind of showing my dirty side, but also doing it for people that need it. And I didn't even think that uh, I was swinging one way and not like staying down the middle like I should have. That's on me. That's my fault. And so uh, I want to make sure that I'm keeping that balance. I don't want to have too many men or too many women. I like want to have a, a good balance. And so I will be doing a uh, a few more before we get to Black Panther in the end. And this week we are going to do Silk. And so she is super dope and I can't wait to talk about her. Then next week we are going to talk about Storm, who is incredible. And I know X-Men, right? That wasn't planned. Silk is not part of the X-Men, so don't worry. And then after that... I haven't completely settled on who I want to talk about there. I was thinking uh, about doing some some different ones. I was thinking about doing Jessica Cruz, who's another version of Green Lantern. I've thought about doing Blue Beetle, who is a male superhero, but he's Latinx, so that would be cool. I've also thought about doing Iron Man, but African-American version. I've thought about doing so many different heroes, and I could do this for years. I could talk about superheroes of color. I could talk about underrated superheroes. I could go on and on and on. Eventually, this will have to die and we will have to move on to recommendations that aren't superheroes. But if new ones crop up and and stuff like that, I will definitely make sure that I jump into that. So that is just a a minor tangent before we get into the the fun stuff. And so moving on, we're going to be doing 
Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I know, I know, we're kind of going back and forth, but it's just kind of the way my brain works. I want to get this out before I get into the, the fun stuff. Uh, well, I mean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is fun, so it's all fun, all right? We did a Persuade Me episode where I had Greg from Fan Dummies on, and I know I've talked about this recently as well, but I hadn't finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and so now I want to give kind of like my overall review thoughts, stuff like that, but also my recommendation. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a phenomenal show, and it's going to get one more season, and then it'll be over. Seven seasons seasons are up on Hulu, and I love every single one of them. Uh, a few of them, I was able to like fast forward through some of the boring parts. Overall, I really, really like uh, the show. I think that Sandberg is watching him go from Lonely Island and SNL to um, movies and TV shows. Uh, you know, we've done Palm, we've done Palm Springs, and I loved that movie. That movie was really fun and really cool. And then seeing him here start off as like this rookie, arrogant, know-it-all detective, and then where we end. Oh yeah, way big spoilers. I'm just just huge spoilers. I'm not holding anything back here. Again, you can listen to the Persuade Me episode, or you can just go watch it, or you can skip ahead to Silk. Either one, all options are available. He goes from this, like, rookie know-it-all, and he grows. He grows as a character, which is great. It's wonderful to see. We we see him transition to a father in the end, and I think that is huge. Just overall, everything is, is, there are so many great jokes. I love the cold opens. I think so many shows do, you know, these different ways of opening. They uh, tie into the last episode or they do, uh, you know, last week on X show. Brooklyn Nine-Nine doesn't do that. It does fall, like follow a linear timeline. So everything is in order. But the cold opens are just one-offs. They sometimes tie in, they sometimes don't. Uh, Another thing that Greg brought up in the Persuade Me episode was the Halloween heists, which I didn't have a full appreciation for until you've seen the full progression of all of them. And I definitely love them because I don't look at, I don't really uh, look at what's coming up next. I don't, uh, I just like hit next and, and I'm good to go. There are some characters that we didn't talk about, which I feel like is a huge disservice to some of them. Adrian Pimento might be my favorite character in the entire show next to Terry Crews. He is... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about why I love him without completely ruining everything. But I think he is the crazy, fun, sporadic character, which for me as somebody that, uh, lived and currently living, uh, with ADHD, I totally understand all his, his like random tangents. And like when he, uh, he just randomly starts talking about a a story in his past or, or how it connects to the present day. Like his stories delve from like, super trauma. Whereas mine, if I just, you know, we're just talking and I'm like, oh, fun fact, that's just popped in my head because of something that you said reminded me. It's kind of the same, but it's it's very different. But anyways, like he, how he uh, interacts with the world is is how I feel for me when, when I'm trying to talk about stuff, when I sit down to record. Sometimes I record three or four times in order to get through something because I tend to ramble. He is so great because of his dynamic and his relationship with the characters and how they interact with him. I love Pimento. He is a great character. Captain Holt. My God. Getting to see, uh, again, again, we talked about this. The diversity in this cast is top tier. It is fantastic. And again, when you are doing something like a comedy show from a police perspective and then having the clout and the willingness to include that diversity to show the terrible sides of policing as well as just 
making them people is really interesting. And I, um, I, I really love that. I really do. Because I think it shows how great the screenwriters are, how dedicated the cast is, and the direction and the humor and the seriousness in which they take some of these topics. Captain Holt is definitely up there and his husband is incredible. Their dog is amazing. I think the, the way that they built them up is so great. Captain Holt talks many times about um, what it was like trying to move up in a police in the police you know in the department as a black gay officer is inspired and i think he is one of the best actors i've ever seen just for the way that he does everything from like his organization to his sense of humor to everything and the the my favorite moments of him are when his character breaks character when he shows emotion when he's crying or when he's actually like overjoyed with laughter. I think these are the moments where you get to see behind the curtain, you get to see the man behind uh, the uniform, you get to see who he is behind closed doors. And uh, no, I'm not going to stop using metaphors. I'll just keep going. He's great. And I think that another big favorite is like... <laughs> The Latina characters in the show are so good. And uh, I know I linked a video in a previous episode where it's hard for me to understand what it's like to be growing up and wanting to identify with characters and constantly seeing stereotypes, constantly seeing those actors that you look up to that look like you speak not like you, speak not like anybody you know, but instead are these cartooned versions of you. The closest that I have that I can think of off the top of my head are like surfer boys. Uh, and like, I know you're like, oh man, that's not even close. But like, that's me trying to relate. Um, growing up as a Southern California kid, like that is the closest that I see on TV that makes me roll my eyes because like nobody in Southern California that I know sounds anything like that. And then I grew up also in Hawaii. So like, I also have that. There's a lot of surfing in my background, but I don't talk anything like that. I also don't think I sound like I'm from California, but hey, you know what? I'll let y'all be the judge of that. But I didn't realize how big that was for them as women and as Latinas. I had no idea. And so when they both came on, they didn't realize that they would be both lead roles both didn't have to talk in accents or play roles that are normally written for them they have these huge backstories and these complex characters and it makes it so much better when you get to hear them in interviews and you're like wait wait, wait whoa, whoa, that's your real voice wait no, no 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 that's that's not how you're supposed to sound it was like a it's like a glass shattering how i met your mother moment <laughs> and it is also like hugh laurie who plays dr house i didn't know that he was British for so embarrassingly long until I think I heard him on an interview with, it was like Seth Meyers or, or Stephen Colbert or somebody. And he just starts talking. I'm like, I was just like, wait, excuse me? What? what? Is he acting right now? Is this bit? And no, 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 that, you know, that, that's the thing. You know, it's just like, wow, wow. Some actors are, uh, are enormously talented and these ladies are uh, up there for sure and um, I can't wait to see how things go I again with Rosa she is um, this hard never falters uh, detective that has her own goals and aspirations and I think akin to Captain Holt when she kind of breaks character it it commands the entire room the entire scene is hers and when you see that happen it's it's a big moment and it, it's one that demands your attention. And I think that that is, it's incredible to see. 
especially again in like a comedy sitcom type show you don't expect it and i think that's what really really holds weight amy is also incredible she's great in her character progression from the playful banter with jake in the show is is fun in the beginning and then you can see it slowly turn and i think that the the how they both change in their relationship to both become more like the other one is really interesting i think you hear often that you know you shouldn't change for anyone and you should always be yourself and i firmly disagree with that and it's not in the sense that you shouldn't change yourself in order to um, attract somebody. But the idea that you shouldn't change yourself somebody is not who we are as humans. We always want to fit in. We always want to get along. We always want to be included. It's just who we are. And you change in all your relationships. With every person you interact with, there's some slight change with them. For however long you are, the, cl- the longer you're around them, like the more similar you become and seeing that was really really cool from you know the heists to the humor to uh, organization to the joy of expecting a child like all of all of these things happen between the two and it's wonderful to see there are numerous moments that i i won't get into but i think it's safe to say that this is a solid recommendation this isn't an everybody recommendation this isn't a show that you know kids can watch whenever they want like i wouldn't let ariel watch this not for some time just because of like the humor and and some some of the other stuff but that's why i have shows like shira you know and so i think if you know what you're going in with you know this is tailored for adults i think you'll be fine going in and watching this i think it's a fantastic show i'm sad that it's ending but i'm glad that it's you know it knows when to end it doesn't become this long drawn out death of a show that we can sometimes have and i think the the cast alone definitely sold this for me so that's that i know took us a while but i told you this was going to kind of be like a two-part episode so with that we are going to dive straight into silk silk is essentially one of the female spiders in that she is a woman in the spider verse as it were uh, that has superpowers basically it you know you have others like spider woman uh spider gwen aka ghost spider you know there are a bunch of different ones but i think what sets what sets Silk Apart, uh, also known as Cindy Moon, is her name, and then Silk is what she goes by. What sets Cindy apart is that she was bit by the same spider that bit Peter. And so, logically, it makes total sense that she has the exact same powers that Peter does, with some slight variations. She has Silk, or she has, uh, her webbing is made by her body, which is dope. It is kind of something that we got to see in the Sam Raimi films when Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man way back when, and he had the, you know, the little spot on his wrist, which, by the way, just looked gross. But... Um, that is what we have with Silk, minus that spot. She makes her own webbing, and they come out of her fingertips. So each one of her fingers and thumb, d- d- don't don't get, don't be like that. She can shoot webbing out of her fingertips, which is super cool and gives her a different way of web slinging. And you get to see that, and it's it's hard to. It's hard to show how that is if you look at uh, the show notes right now as we're talking about Silk. The chapter artwork is going to be for one of the variant comics that's coming up, which I will get into. This one is illustrated by Jen Bartell, who is a very, very well-known 
artist and you can see it in her work. One of, if you look at the chapter artwork right now, you can see that Silk is kind of holding her fingers up and she's shooting webbing from those. There are so many different positions you can make with your fingers that could shoot webbing. Not to mention it gives you an edge over people that only have faced Peter Parker. So they know what it looks like when he's going to start shooting webbing. And it gives her this way of being able to be kind of sneaky when it comes to doing different things and evolving her fight style. It is very cool to just imagine the possibilities. Like you could do finger guns and you could shoot webbing. That's freaking sweet. And I think that is just one aspect of Silk that makes her super cool. I think that, oh man, Cindy is, <laughs> I know I'm trying to get on track. Cindy is an Asian American woman. She uh, is Korean. Her last name is Moon, which translates to gate uh, in Korean. And so the, the guess is that gate ties to her origin, which to sum it up, stem, I it's like Spider-Man 14... I don't know. I'll put it in the show notes. Basically, uh, this villain comes to Earth and releases tons of secrets. And one of them gives to Peter. And Peter finds out that the spider, after it bit him uh, and fell to the ground, didn't just die. It scurried off and bit Cindy on the foot. And Cindy wasn't even supposed to be there. She didn't want to be on that field trip, which is crazy. She's there because her mom wanted and encouraged her to go. And she went on the same field trip on that fateful day and ended up getting bit by a spider that bit uh, Peter. And so what ended up happening after that was interesting because Peter basically was fine. Uh, he bounced back and was Spider-Man. He basically mastered his, his, uh, his powers shortly thereafter and there you go cindy on the other hand didn't uh cindy's powers and you can imagine that for peter if you have to put your hands in a certain spot in a certain position all right cool all right i just won't make that position unless i'm web slinging easy enough uh and it's not like a, a one that you make very often unless you know you're at like a rock concert or something but other than that i mean really when are you ever doing that cindy on the other hand because she can shoot webbing from her fingertips she could shoot webbing at any point in time ever and it's exactly what happens she has no control over her powers she has a hyper spider sense in that it's way faster and way more detailed uh, than peter's and that uh, overstimulation would wreck anybody and it's what happens she ends up waking up the next day or, or like a week later I, I can't remember but her parents walk in and she just webs the entire room including them and she just runs away and it's heartbreaking it's pretty sad because it's way harder than peter had it and it's the same with miles i mean miles had it way harder as well i mean we've seen it but she ends up getting tutored and taught and then when morlin one of the uh, the the mainstay bad guys that we still haven't had in a movie comes she's basically locked away that way morlin can't get to her and eventually morlin is defeated and killed by peter twice and peter comes to get her out and rips the door off basically opening a gate for her see i told you it would tie in and she ends up being able to escape but they end up fighting it at fighting it out because she didn't want to be killed and so they end up fighting it out and what she realizes is that she's not as strong as peter is but she's faster and can think faster and can move faster and shoot more webbing and you know obviously it's generated by her own body so she can make more unlike peter peter has to carry capsules with him in order to refuel his web slingers and that's interesting as well i think that it is interesting to see 
her become her own character. Cindy ends up becoming a journalist slash photographer, much like Peter at the Daily Bugle, and she works for J. Jonah Jameson. But unlike Peter, she ends up confiding in Jameson. She eventually, you know, after she broke out, she wanted to go see her family, but her family wasn't there. They're all gone. And uh, so she's basically doing this in order to find them. Well, she's been holding the secret in for a very long time, and basically breaks down and tells Jameson everything. Anybody that knows Jameson is probably laughing right now at his reaction, but he ends up opening up to her and helps her find her family. And that is a really, a really different character than what we're normal, normal, or <laughs> what we're used to saying. And I thought that that was really cool. It's cool to see a character that you thought was just shut off from the world and only cared about getting more attention and growing his newspaper to something more. And so he ends up helping her. What we end up learning later is that uh, she can't find her brother though. And it becomes this whole plot where he became a version of the Green Goblin. And so she's been trying to, and then her entire drive is to cure him, to uh, make him normal. And so that becomes its own side plot. And then there's um, a Spider-Verse crossover. And then she goes undercover for S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, works with the Black Cat. Uh, that is a really cool uh, series as well. The best series, though, I think it has yet to come. And what do you have to look forward to from Silk? This is where I am super excited because I think that it's fun when we get to talk about heroes that you may never heard of or you may not know much about or are great in the past but haven't been brought forward to the future. Looking at you, Jon Stewart, Green Lantern. But what do you have to look forward to for Silk? And this is the fun part because there's a lot coming. So first off, she is getting a three-issue run coming up within the next three months. She's going to have Volume 1 comes out on the 31st of this month. And that artwork that's in the show right now, that's one of the comic covers that you can get. Then she's going to have one April 20th and then May 12th, which is the day after my birthday. So that's really cool. So you have three of those to look forward to, which will likely revamp her story. And we'll get to see a bunch of more development and character and Maybe some things that we haven't seen before. I'm very excited. The next is that uh, I've talked about this in the past with the Into the Spider-Verse movie. Spider-Verse is getting its own spin-off animated movie, which is going to have Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, and Silk. And so she's going to be in that movie. She has the potential to be in Into the Spider-Verse 2. We will have to wait and see. On top of that... She's getting a TV show headed up by Lord and Miller, who, if you don't know who they are, they did, uh, they directed Into the Spider-Verse. So we have all of these tie-ins and they're going to be doing a live action TV show. And currently the live action like actress in order to play Cindy Moon is Adeline Rudolph, who is in Sabrina, like the, the Netflix TV show. So they're thinking about pulling her into the live action universe. And then this is where it gets even cooler because in uh, Far From Home or Homecoming, one of them, we get nods to Cindy in the show. There's an uh, there's an Asian actress whose name is Cindy within the movies. And so we have the potential in Mar uh, in Spider-Man 3 to see another version of Silk in that movie and how that plays into the overall scheme of having Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and Doc Ock coming back and Electro coming back and all of these different things could make a very, very good movie and would give her so many mediums for new fans to jump in to and uh, basically devour the content. And so I think that's what makes her one of the best recommendations I can give because there's so much coming out for her. There's TV shows, there's comics, there's 
there's going to be movies and so much I don't know. And I think that that's what makes this wonderful is that she is such a great character. Not to mention her costume is super cool for anybody to jump into and love. And there's only more coming down the pipeline. And I think that if you aren't a fan or you only know about Peter or you only know about Miles, there are a lot of spiders for you to love. And I hope you guys like this recommendation. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to let me know. And then uh, I'll see you guys next week when we talk about Storm. That's going to do it. Okay, bye.